And there's some good research out there that shows that empowering people or this morale topic is one of the first things that drops in times of stress. And Uh if you think about that, a lot of times empowering is what we do outward. It's we, you know, we bring in other people, we incorporate other people. It's not that inward, you know, you can empower yourself, which is great. That's more inward. But when we talk about empowering a team or team morale, that incorporates other people. And in Mm -hmm. in times of stress, we oftentimes, you know, turn inward and don't necessarily feel like we want to include other people in that process. Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives, and always on our own terms. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of PS Younger Self. I'm your host, Chris, and today we're talking to a leadership coach on how we can empower others to empower ourselves. What are the key traits and strengths to make you a better leader in any field you're in? There's a quote by John Maxwell, leaders become great not because of their power, but because of their ability to empower others. Our guest is a Myers-Briggs certified practitioner and Clifton Strengths coach who is passionate about maximizing your potential, taking you from good to great in a couple, individual, or organizational dynamic. Her coaching style and assessments offer the perfect blend of tangible takeaways and reflective resources to make a lasting impact in your professional and personal lives. Please meet Chelsea Weiner. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. How are you today? Everything's good. Things are, you know, looking up in the world, so it's having a positive outlook for the day. I love it. And you are joining me from sunny California. Yes, exactly. Born in Los Angeles and currently located in San Diego. But one of the positive silver linings of the pandemic is I've been able to connect with people virtually pretty much worldwide. So um, definitely based in San Diego, but love chatting with people all around the world, just like I'm doing with you today. Yeah, thank you. I know we um, connected over the fact that we are both Californians. I am also a Angelino turned New Yorker and now here in Europe. But let's get into our topic at hand, which is all about empowering others to empower yourself, which is a very empowering thought. And empowering others is a sure sign of being a great leader, right? We've all kind of heard this in the professional world, organizational world. But why do you think, Chelsea, that empowering others is a way to empower our individual selves? Yeah. And I think the trend of empowerment, I hope it's not just a trend. I hope it's here to stay, but it is somewhat a hot topic in the leadership world today. And I love it so much. Uh, just thinking about how we can lift others up and in turn, you know, we oftentimes feel better when we help others or do service for others. So I'm really happy that empowering is such a strong word that's being used right now. But I do think that when we find the best in others and when we help others succeed, in turn, we feel better about ourselves and we're able to hone in and sharpen our own leadership skills, which I'm excited to talk with you all. I have some tips to talk about how we can best empower others and therefore obviously um, be able to work on our own leadership skills. 
Mm-hmm. You're right, but um, I'd love to just ask a little bit deeper. What is it? Do you think about you know helping others? It makes us feel better about ourselves. Like, is it a an, an ego thing? Like, is it tied psychologically to something that you know makes us feel better? And I I know what you mean, and uh, certainly I think it ties into that. Oh, maybe I'm helping somebody else by empowering them. Yeah, I I think you're definitely right about the ego portion. So when someone's there to rely on you, uh, you feel like you're needed a little bit more. It's almost like in the workout world when you have that accountability buddy and you don't want to let them down. It's very similar in the leadership space as well. So when someone's relying on you or they're looking to what you're doing, um, having Mm -hmm. you lead by example, it'll make you even more intentional with your choices and your decisions because you want to make sure you're being a good role model, um, which is a lot of a lot of what I work with people of how to develop their leadership skills to as a as a uh, supervisor, as a CEO, how do you enhance your own leadership skills and therefore bring up everyone in your company or in your industry? Mm, yeah, that's a good point. I like I like the uh, the word intentional um, that you brought up. And so, one of the key ways we know we to empower others is to acknowledge their potential and strengths for their own liberating power, right? And and I know that a great tool to identify your strengths is Clifton Strength Finder, which you are trained in. And I believe it's been used by over 24 million people around the world who have actually completed this this test to assess their strengths. Can you tell us what that is and like how does it help to measure our strengths so that we can empower uh, ourselves and others? Yeah, so the Clifton Strengths uh, Strengths Finder is an awesome tool. So Gallup, the organization that does a lot of the polling, um, you know, a lot of the surveys and polling around the U.S., they developed this tool, and it came from a very positive space. So in psychology, a lot of what people focused on was the negative. So let's figure out those traumas that happen in your life and see mm. how those have formed you into who you are today and you know, really diving into that more um, negative or traumatic space. And then an era of positive psychology came about of let's focus on what we're doing well, who we really are, and how we can, again, be more intentional with using and incorporating our own strengths to help us succeed in our in our jobs and find our passion. So with that, uh, the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment came about. Um, and thanks that, yes, as you mentioned, I am a certified coach with that and I love using it as a tool with my clients. Uh, so what it is, is it's a, it's a pretty quick assessment. So kind of an inventory, um, one of those personality tests that you take. And it gives you uh, an option of 34 different strengths that you can get. So oftentimes the version I use with my clients is it'll give them their top five. Um, There's also versions where it ranks one through 34. So you can see kind of where you stand with all of them. Uh, And then it shows you, let's just say we're using the one with the top five. It shows you the top five strengths that you have. And then obviously description of what those are. 
but it also puts them in larger buckets. So they there are 34 different options of the words, of the strengths that you can get, but there's kind of these overall themes. So whether you're executing, whether you're relationship building, strategic thinking, uh, or influencing, and how you can really use these strengths and incorporate them into your job, into finding that passion in your life. So my clients have found it really hopeful and really successful to lead from this more positive or strengths-based perspective. Mm, very interesting. So then the there's 34 strengths that you've said, and then uh, could... I mean, it could really run the gamut. Like there's not a specific set number of strings that like you, you have, like you can, it all depends on like how you take this ass- and the assessment to figure out how personal it is in terms of like what your variety of strengths are. Exactly. It'll give you your top five. So it will oh, rank your you. five. Okay. Yeah, it mm-hmm. will give you your top five, but of course we can build up any of the strengths. So I like it when it gives you, when we use the assessment that gives you the top five, as I mentioned, there's also the one that gives you your one through 34. It's a more comprehensive one, but your eye automatically goes to your 34th strength or, you know, the one that's last on the page. And I tell my clients, like, this is what you do well, but we can incorporate the other strengths within what you're trying to do. So don't get discouraged if one of those words doesn't necessarily show up on your top five, or if you feel like you're lacking a strength or skill that you feel that you would need, let's figure out how we can use one of your strengths to still be able to accomplish that same goal. Yeah, no, that's a good point and a great kind of segue into what um, was going to be my next question, because that you know, makes a lot of strengths, right? Like uh, strengths, <laughs> um, sense, and of understanding uh, and identifying like what we're really good at to feel confident in ourselves, and and when we're feeling empowered, we have a boost of our self esteem because of confidence, and we feel we feel like we are capable. And so, however, you know, for me, Chelsea, in my course of self-development and self-mastery, it has also been really critically important and empowering too to understand and work on my own weakness, mm-hmm. weaknesses, as much as being aware of my strengths. So you kind of pointed out how, you know, someone who is taking this test, a Clif- Clifton Strength Finder, to identify their strengths, but they may feel like, oh, there's are certain areas that um, I could develop uh, further develop, or they thought they were, you know, had a higher strength in. So how can we better understand our quote unquote weaknesses as well in the role of empowering ourselves and others? Yeah. So instead of viewing them as weaknesses, I work with people to have them rethink and reframe the strengths that they have. So still coming from that strengths perspective. So for example, if you feel that you are more on the analytical side, you know, like to, you're really good at memorizing things, you're really good at developing that knowledge and information, and you feel a little bit less of being able to relate to people. So you're, you know, more on that executing analytical side, a strategic thinking side, less on the relationship building side, but you feel like 
So you might call that one of your weaknesses, right? Because they would they don't show up. It's not as easy for you, but you feel like it's important in your job. I would mm-hmm. work with you to figure out, well, how can we actually use those strengths to help you build on that relationship aspect? So for example, uh, one of my favorite examples of a client is they were really good at memorizing. So I said, why don't you work hard to remember everyone on your team to remember their names? Because you're good at you know remembering things. You're good at putting mm. the, the memory behind the names, which a lot of people are not necessarily good at. That can be troublesome to have to remember everyone's name. And they worked on that for their team. So then their team thought that they were really relational because they're like, oh, the CEO knows my name. Every, you know, mm. back when we were in offices, every time he walked down the office, he would say, hi, Sally, you know, knew my name. And so while we weren't necessarily building the relational aspect because that wasn't what this person was really strong in, we used their strengths to be able to reframe and reshape so that the people thought that they were good at that quote unquote weakness or what they weren't as strong in. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And that's very interesting, actually, because it made me think also that um, this can be really illuminating in identifying and recognizing some other actually strengths and areas that we may not been aware of. For example, you know, like when your client shared how I'm really good at remembering names, but like how you were able to apply that into, um, you know, how that could work and that it's translated into being a very relational person. So I feel like it, it really kind of highlights other, other strengths and other ways to really leverage what you identify as strengths in your, in your kind of personality and character. Exactly. And it allows us to dive deeper into what a strength really is and how we're utilizing them, if at all, in our day-to-day practices. So yes, maybe somebody who feels like they're good at memorizing is like, okay, well, that's why I did really well on my exams because I remembered the information or, you know, it seems like maybe a useless tool. But I try to say it's not useless or let's try to figure out a different way how we can be more creative, how we can really use the strength in all different areas and different aspects, whether you would make that connection or not. So I feel like it's been helpful for people in that way. And then, of course, that boss feels really happy, feels like he's building a better team. And as you mentioned before, you know, his ego goes up. He feels like he's building that stronger team. People are relying on him and overall the group dynamics really improve within a whole company when we try to incorporate and use our overall strengths in different areas. Mm, Yeah, no, that makes sense. So then besides identifying our strengths and understanding our our less than um, areas and and I know you try to reframe it but you know for me Chelsea I I actually am not afraid to say that I have my weaknesses and I mm-hmm. and I own up to my mistakes and I think it for me again it's very empowering to say that I'm not great at everything no. um, but I know how to recognize them and I know how to you know own them but what are other ways that we can empower others. Sure. So do you want me to just kind of dive into the list yeah. that I have the five ways? Perfect. Yeah. So do it. Um, and I just want to say I created this because I feel like it's important both 
when, you know, back to when things were more normal and a lot of times in the virtual setting as well. So figuring out how to empower yourself to empower others or empower your team, I think is really important. Morale and overall empowerment has dropped really low in the virtual space. So whether you Ah. are working virtually or back in person, I feel like this is going to be a really helpful topic, I hope, because as we're sitting behind computers, you know, we're not necessarily getting that interaction amongst coworkers that we used to have. You know, they've made virtual water coolers where people can come and have that organic conversation, but it's not the same. Yeah. So I- wait, before you dive into the five steps, is that was really interesting. So you think the the kind of morale and the sense of empowerment has dropped during our current times because of the less face-to-face interaction? Yes, definitely. Okay. And and there's some good research out there that shows that empowering people or this morale topic is one of the first things that drops in times of stress. And uh-huh. if you think about that, a lot of times empowering is what we do outward. It's we, you know, we bring in other people, we incorporate other people. It's not that inward, you know, you can empower yourself, which is great. That's more inward. But when we talk about empowering a team or team morale, that incorporates other people. And in, mm-hmm. ter- in times of stress, we oftentimes, you know, f- turn inward and don't necessarily feel like we want to include other people in that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even some of those more typical things like, food or, you know, throwing a pizza party or those type of um, building activities. Or I do a lot of like team building, physical team building or virtual team building with different teams. A lot of that goes down or budget wise, a lot of that's been going down right now. Uh, So exactly. A lot of times the morale we see in times of stress, uh, we don't work on empowering our teams as much because we turn inward in those situations. Uh, got it. Makes sense. Okay. So let's hear the five steps to empower others. Perfect. So the first one is to get to know yourself and your team. And this is really going to be helpful to improve those group dynamics. So a lot of times as somebody who might be on a team or be supervising a team, we really want to get to know the personalities of the people on our teams because that's where we can start developing those true, real relationships with people. And it also helps them understand the decisions that we're making uh, as a leader or as a fellow team member. Uh, mm. So, can I, I, yeah. yeah, can I actually ask a follow up question to that? Because, uh, Chelsea, I used to be in the corporate world for 15 mm. years, I built my career there. How do you get to know someone in your team without getting too personal? Because I feel like that's just a a hard balance, at least for me, I'm being, again, very frank, where I, you know, when I, as I rose up in the ranks, I I had bigger and bigger teams I was managing. And I remember like even thinking to myself, like, oh, I want, I want to be a good leader and, and kind of be, you know, friendly too, but also know that there are certain boundaries where like, I, I'm not their friend, you know? So how can we get to know someone and still strike that appropriate balance? I think that's such an important question. And especially as you mentioned in the corporate space, a lot of times you want to put up that boundary to be able to get that respect from other people or not cross that professional line. 
So I think keeping it in a professional sense is what's going to be the most important. So I know you mentioned that I'm also a Myers-Briggs certified practitioner. Uh, So the Myers-Briggs is the tool that I love to use the most when we get to know the, the personalities and the members on our team. So that's the assessment where you find out if you're extroverted or introverted, or you make decisions with your head or your heart, uh, or you like to organize, be more organized or be more spontaneous. So it's a great little um, personality assessment that people can take. And then I work with the teams to be able to analyze the personalities that are on, you know, that are in the group and some of the easy connections that people can make, but almost more importantly, some of the potential friction that can come from it. So really helping to improve those group dynamics. Mm. So one of the examples that I like to give the best when it comes to how the Myers-Briggs can help in the corporate world is, so as I mentioned, it gives you, you, you figure out if you have a preference for one over the other. So the first one is introvert versus extrovert. So I Mm -hmm. think people tend to know what those words are, but that's Um, kind of how we get our, where we get our energy from. So extroverts like to get their energy from other people, interacting with other people kind of builds them up and gives them the energy versus introverts like that reflection time. They like to be more inward, like to think to themselves. So even in a brainstorming situation, which as you know, is very typical in the corporate world to have a group brainstorming session, a lot of times we'll see that extroverts dive right in and they'll start talking and they'll start being able to feed off of each other and they'll kind of take the take the prompt and go with it. And mm-hmm. introverts like the time to be quiet and to reflect and to think about the prompt first before really talking and diving in. And so a lot of times I'll see conflict come up in this area specifically because the extroverts will look at the introverts and will say, why aren't they helping us? You know, we are always coming up with the ideas. We're always having to be creative. They're being quiet in the uh, meetings. And the introverts are like, the extroverts are so overpowering. They're so loud. I don't even have time to voice my opinion because mm-hmm. it's a, and a brainstorming session does uh, really have that bigger preference towards people with extrovert. It kind of favors the extroverts in the room just based mm-hmm. on the setup. So I work with some of the CEOs again to figure out, well, what are some of the strategies that we can do? We've take, we've given them the Myers-Briggs personality inventory. We see that your team you know, has both introverts and extroverts, which is the best, always a mix and diversifying your team when it comes to that is going to be the best because then we can have that diversity of thought. But saying now, how can we use this information to better our group dynamics? So for example, I always recommend what we call a think-pair-share. So we give the prompt, give people time, not too much time, you know, maybe three to five minutes to think individually. So think first on your own, then pair. So get into smaller pairs, maybe two or three people, start a smaller brainstorming process to share those ideas So think, pair, and then share out to the larger group. So then have that brainstorming session. So even reframing it into something like that can really help you get to know your team, get to know yourself, but most importantly, improve those group dynamics to have that successful team dynamic to not have that insider-outsider mentality or those small conflicts that are very easily avoidable, but we just don't know that that's happening on the team. Wow, that's so interesting. And I really like that, how you reframed it. And it really just, like you pointed out, it is getting to know on a very 
granular, specific level, different types, and then structuring, strategizing how to then foster um, that dynamic of the different types. So do you then recommend like, cause I have, you know, I haven't been in the corporate world for 15 years. I've never worked at a company where they helped a minister or were leveraging like Myers-Briggs and other personality tests. It's getting to be a little more popular, luckily, but that's why I love being able to come on these podcasts and share the knowledge that I have, uh, because I feel like that is what makes me different as a consultant or as a coach, because a lot of people come in and they have such valuable information to share, but a lot of teams aren't receptive to it if it's not customized or personalized to themselves. So I really work to empower people through that customized plan. We're not a one size fits all. So seeing how can we really make this to your team and really make you succeed as a specific team versus having that blanket statement of this is what a lot of successful teams do. So let's try to fit it to you. I feel like I pride myself on being able to come up with that customized plan. And it's somewhat easy using these tools that already exist, like the Myers-Briggs or like the Clifton Strengths, as you mentioned before. Got it. So then in our virtual world right now, Chelsea, could we use the think, pair, and share strategy? Yeah, you can. And and these assessments are all digital or virtual, so you can do them virtually with your team. And then uh, Zoom works wonders every day. We're finding out new features it has. So it it is something that we can do. So obviously, if I was doing this um, on Zoom, I would have everyone turn their cameras off and maybe play some music in the background for that think part. So that was the individual part where they were just doing it on their own. You know, there's no pressure of what do I look like in the camera, you know, figuring that out. Yeah. And then for the pair, uh, pair portion, I create breakout rooms. So being able to Mm -hmm. either randomly assign or assign by team. So maybe the marketing team all goes here or, you know, the budgeting team all goes into, into this breakout room and then share would just be the, the more normal session where we would all be together in one larger room. So it is possible. We, we figured out creative ways of how to make I it. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like how you, how you actually just walked us through with um, how it would work in the setting of using zoom, which we're all very all too familiar with. Exactly. But, um, okay. So that was just a uh, uh, step number one. <laughs> what is one. the other four? Yes. And uh, the second one is going to be to help your team with goal setting. Uh, so goal setting is something that seems really easy. You know, from when we were little, we knew what goals were and what to accomplish with them. But figuring out our goal setting amongst our team and also when I work with individuals just to figure out what their goals are. So creating both short term and long term goals and setting benchmarks along the way so that we can celebrate some of those smaller successes. So figuring out Maybe you have a really long-term goal of what you want to accomplish, but figuring out, well, what are those smaller areas that will feel proud that you've been able to accomplish along the way? Mm-hmm. And I like talking about this with teams or with individuals before we get started on their journey. So figuring out what are the goals that we have in a more proactive versus reactive way. So sometimes it can be hard once we're in a situation or 
once things are not going as well, it can be hard to remove yourself from that situation to figure out your goals. Sometimes it's easy and helpful to do this when things are going well, which is ideal, right? Um, but it's not always going to be the case. So figuring out how can we set your you up to be proactive in your life versus reactive is something I like to talk about and incorporate with goal setting. And I'm sure the term smart or smart goal is something that's pretty typical. A lot of your listeners probably know about it, um, but a quick run through. And I like there's a new version, which is a smart er goal. So adding ER at the end, but having your goal be specific, uh, measurable, ambitious, relevant, and time bound. So there's the S-M-A-R-T. So going over with my clients, how can we actually make it a more uh, a goal that falls in those categories? And then so that's more the goal setting and goal alignment. And now we talk about goal tracking with them. So we make it a smarter goal because we add the ER of being able to evaluate and then recognize and reward our successes along the way. So working to create this goal setting um, can be really great. And I have a lot of awesome worksheets and templates. So I'll share my resources at the end. If any of your listeners want to reach out, I'm happy to share all all that I can um, with them to see if if they would be interested in any of those worksheets. And yeah, no, that'd be great. We can uh, um, link that in the show notes afterwards. Oh, perfect. And I do think this and what we were just talking about before with getting to know your team, sometimes bringing in an outside person can make it seem a little bit less intimidating, can keep you on track for it, uh, and can make you feel, again, like you have that accountability person to guide you along the way. So uh, I do think walking through it with someone can be really helpful, which is why I feel like it is a great tool to help you empower others by going over that goal setting with them for sure. Okay. All right. So ready for the third one? (laughs) Yeah, bring it. Perfect. So it, we talked about it a little bit already, but it's leading by example and being willing to adapt. So I think, especially in times like now, leading by example and having a willingness, willingness to adapt are going to be really, really important because others feed off of our energy. Again, whether it's virtual or whether it's in person, you can kind of tell when someone's in a bad mood or doesn't want to work on a project or doesn't really believe in what they're doing right now. So being able to lead by example will will really encourage your team or empower your team to continue to want to strive for greatness as well. So I think uh, this and leading by example, as you kind of mentioned, Chris, in the beginning of how do I open up to my team? How do I you know, make sure to do that still in that professional way. And leading by examples is a great way to do that. So you can let them in a little bit, but as you mentioned, still wanting to put up what we call kind of those boundaries or the rubber fencing. So when we put that up and set it up from the beginning, it's easier to take it down. So if we put up that boundary of, you know, I'm not going to tell you every single thing I did over the weekend, or I'm not going to invite you to my kid's birthday party or, you know, something like that. We Mm -hmm. start putting that boundary up in the beginning. It's easier to then lower it. And it's easier to slowly let people in as you build that trust. And it's harder to do the opposite of, well, you did that with me last week. Why are all of a sudden you implementing so many new changes now? So leading by example in that way is going to help your team really respect you and really trust you in in that matter as well. And 
With leading by example, I think one of the most important keys is to be authentic. So being an authentic leader, being that heart-led leader is what's going to be so important. People can see through that phoniness of, you know, they're not even paying attention to me when I'm talking or, you know, something like that. Especially right now, there's so many distractions. So being authentic to your team is is what's going to be really helpful. Yeah. with and then on that note, like the, you know, the authenticity obviously is very individualized and specific to, uh, you know, the different leaders. So like even, even the boundaries, like, you know, someone could have less of boundaries, but if that is authentic to you and your leadership style, it's still okay, right? Like there is no one size fits all in terms of being a specific leader that empowers and is authentic. Exactly. That is exactly right. It Again, it's very customized and figuring out what works for you. I like to be very relational. If someone asks me what my leadership style is, I oftentimes incorporate the relational leadership model and that I am a relational leader. And it's got it's been helpful and it's been helping me be successful in the path that I'm taking. So I do like to connect with people and tell them a little bit about myself, but just knowing to not go off on a tangent or to to not push the boundary to be inappropriate, of course, in any way. But yes, I, and that's me being authentic. You know, sometimes I try to say, let me be a little bit more, um, you know, professional or have those walls up even more because I want to, especially as a woman, it's kind of hard, you know, you don't want to necessarily, um, you feel like you're not supposed to be that emotional leader or someone who leads with their heart. And I'm like, that's not me though. I do like to be really relational and talk to people and get to know people in that way. So that was me choosing to be authentic in that moment. Got it. Okay. And the other half of that one was having that willingness to adapt. And I would say if 2020 taught us anything, which is such a sad lesson for some companies, but it's that being able to adapt, having that adaptability will either help you sink or swim as an organization. So if we think of restaurants these days and all the shifts that restaurants have had to do, you know, the ones that stayed closed and say, we're not going to open outdoor dining or, you know, we're not going to be able to adapt to those times. Unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of those close. A lot of universities we're seeing being successful in this transition or not and figuring out some of those reasons why. So. Figuring out, I have a, a whole workshop I do um, with companies on leading in a time of change and how we can use the change model to figure out where we are with leading in a time of change, which can be a scary topic. So figuring out how to lead by example, but also have that willingness to adapt along the way. So we're not viewed as rigid leaders who aren't able to take on new topics or to, to change with the times. So that would be my third tip for sure. Got it. Okay. So then the fourth one. The fourth one I won't spend too much time on because we actually dove really far into it in the beginning, but it's mm-hmm. helping others find their passion and finding their strengths. So again, mm-hmm. incorporating um, whether it's the official Clifton Strengths inventory or assessment into the conversations um, or just talking with clients and um, people more organically of a strength is something that comes naturally to us. And oftentimes, it is hard for us to figure out what we're passionate about or what we're strong at because it's something that comes so naturally. And we think if it comes naturally to us, it probably comes naturally to other people as well. But oftentimes that's not the case. So as I gave the example before of the person being really good at memorizing, that's a strength. You know, some people are terrible at memorizing. 
For me, I love public speaking. I love standing in front of crowds and in front of groups. And that's actually one of the biggest fear that people have. And at first I didn't, you know, before I realized this mindset shift, I didn't realize that that was actually a strength I had. Cause I was like, if I love class presentations and I love standing in front of groups, everyone must love it too. But then you realize that that's a strength instead and finding that passion, finding that career that can align, align with your strengths is what's going to make you really, really successful in that position. Uh, so I work with teams, as I mentioned, to figure out what we do well, to figure out how as a supervisor or as a team member, you can incorporate the team's strengths into their daily tasks and see who we can align. Maybe some people are really good at customer service or building those relationships. Some people are better at sales. Some people are better at checklists and getting things done and figuring out how we can align everyone's daily duties and tasks to fall under their their strengths or the areas that they're passionate about. Got it. Okay. So now we've come to the fifth and final step. Exactly. The fifth and final, which as a leader, I always empower and encourage them to continue to learn. So always keep learning, never feel complacent with where you are and with your leadership skills and leadership journey along the way. There's so many, it's a changing field and it's a field that's being studied more and more every day, the field of leadership. So always continue to keep learning, whether it's figuring out new ways for you to accept feedback as a leader, figuring out different ways for you to express gratitude or, you know, figure out how we can empower our team. So doing things like listening to this podcast, I hope helps you keep learning. Um, But always being able to reevaluate what isn't working is what's going to be the most helpful. So Chris, I commend you for, um, you know, saying that you like to look at maybe what you don't do as well, what some of those um, areas that you wish you could improve upon. A lot of people are scared to do that. So always being able to reevaluate, think of what's not going right, ask for feedback. And my biggest advice is to do that in what we call a 360 degree evaluation. So oftentimes our feedback comes from the person above us, right? So our supervisor will give us that feedback. A 360 degree eval will be getting feedback, of course, from the supervisor, but also from the other people that are on our team and the team of people that we supervise. So figuring out, you know, what would you change about my supervision style? Your supervisor might not be able to tell you that as much because they don't, you know, they're the ones to supervise you. You don't supervise them. So getting that 360 degree feedback will help you continue to keep learning. Um, and then the last portion of that is to know your limitations. So to figure out my least favorite thing is when someone has that ego and they don't, they want to pretend that they know the answer to something because they're too scared to admit that they don't. So mm. figuring out your own limitations, what you maybe don't know, uh, and having some of those resources to say, let me introduce you to this other person who knows more information on that, or let's look up some websites or some resources that might be able to be more helpful when it comes to that topic. So continue to learn while also asking for feedback and knowing your own limitations and the resources that could be the most helpful for for the people that you're trying to lead. Mm. For the 360 feedback, um, if someone is a entrepreneur or small business owner, doesn't work in the corporate environment, Chelsea, who and how can they ask and uh, obtain a 360 feedback? I think that those testimonials from clients, customers, whoever you would be working with can be really helpful. And obviously, if it's somewhat of a negative 
review, you know, we're not going to be posting those or sharing those, but those are the ones that can teach us a lot as well. Um, so trying to speak, figure that out. And if you don't know kind of how to ask, or you're just trying to kick off as an entrepreneur, a lot of times giving your services, if you're able to for free in return of maybe some honest feedback can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Saying, you know, let me, let me design this, you know, graphic design image for you. And, you know, you can coach me through it and tell me what you liked or didn't like. And in return, I'll give it to you for free if you promise to give me that feedback. You know, even something as simple as that yeah. can help us in that way. Well, that's a good question. That's a good comment about like how to ask for. So is it as simply asking how, what did you like and did not like? What can I improve? What do you think is lacking? Like, what are some specific ways? Because I feel like if we just ask, uh, can you tell us what you liked and didn't like? It could be maybe a little generic and not as constructive in feedback. So are there more specific type of questions that we can asked to get like really helpful, constructive feedback. Right. So sometimes when they're too open-ended, you know, they give us that vague response. So um, just trying to figure out, you know, maybe every step of the process. So was my website easy for you to navigate or what were some of those challenges or roadblocks that you fit that you felt when you were trying to fill out my contact me form or mm-hmm. was my was my mission statement or was my purpose of what my company does clear or you know asking them to kind of summarize something for you can help you see if they truly understand it. So you know saying something like, now you know what I do, how would you word what I do in that in this scenario or you know something like that. So some of that before for the during portion. So if there's an actual tangible product, yes, asking them those questions of you know, did you like this color combination or did you feel like I was able to enact your vision or, you know, something like that would be helpful. And then the after portion. So if I were to charge you X amount of money for this, would it be worth it? What do you think this is worth? What, how would you value this product can be helpful as well. And I think doing it around people who are far enough removed where they're not just going to say it's perfect to spare your feelings, right? So maybe significant mm-hmm. others or family members, you know, oftentimes they tell you that everything's great because they really much believe in you. But someone who's going to actually be able to provide that critical critical eye in such a kind and compassionate way to not, of course, just beat you down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Well, this was uh, very thorough and clear. The five steps to help empower others. One, get to know yourself and others. Two, goal setting. Three, lead by example. Four, help find others' passions and, and strengths. And then to never stop learning. Did yes. I summarize that correctly? That was perfect. You got it. Amazing. Well, as we kind of wrap up here, because there's a lot of great information you provided, and I love that you were able to really succinctly uh, narrow it down to five steps to help us empower others that will empower ourselves. If one last thing, like how would you kind of then like summarize and define what self-empowerment is because you know we really talked about like how to empower others which Mm -hmm. in turn will empower ourselves is there a way that how you how do you look at self-empowerment 
I think that's such an important question. And we oftentimes look to others for that validation. And Mm -hmm. I think being able to find it within ourselves is something that I work with people on and it's so important. And imposter syndrome is real and people, you know, question if they deserved what they got or if they deserve their seat at the table every day, even the highest executives I'm seeing have imposter syndrome and feel that way of questioning. And if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, look it up. There's so much great research out there and it can really be life-changing to know what that is. Um, But I do really encourage people if they want to find that empowering, you know, how to empower themselves to look at their day-to-day tasks, what, what they do, whether it's part of their job or, um, you know, just kind of what, what you do throughout your day and figure out what parts of those tasks really excite you, really get you driven and motivated. And what are some of those things that we just have to get done because, you know, we're adults and are living our day-to-day lives and trying to figure out how we can focus more and move more into the bucket of, I really like doing this task. I really feel grateful that I'm able to do this during my job or as part of my life. And seeing how we can incorporate more of those is something that can be a really helpful tool for people to find those empowering moments. But overall, I always just say increasing that self-confidence, knowing that you have the seat at the table and that you deserve it. And a lot of times introducing people to the concept of imposter syndrome and going over some of those ways to be able to combat that and to be able to reverse some of those negative self-talk that people have, which is my overall biggest tip for it is to eliminate that negative self-talk. Think, you know, believe in yourself, think that you can do it, think that you deserve it. And overall, that'll be really the, the most empowering thing you can do for yourself. Yeah. Eliminate this self-talk and believe that you deserve it. I like Mm -hmm. that. For me, it's about taking charge and care of yourself first and on on your own terms, which is my premise for this entire platform. And so actually on that note, Chelsea, so if you can go back to your younger self and uh, to remind her to always live fully in the present and on her term, is there something you'd like to pass on to her? I think just saying your hard work is going to pay off and at the same time, believing in the process. So I I think thinking back to my younger self, you know, being so caught up in those day-to-day tasks and trying to set myself up for success in the future. I'm happy that I did that. I think it paid off, but also just believing in myself and knowing that everything is going to work out and having fun along the way. I wish I incorporated more of that fun times and just enjoying enjoying the youth a little bit more is, is what I would want to remind my younger self. Yeah. Don't forget to have fun along the way. That's a good yes. one. Yes. Uh, so on that note, Chelsea, where can uh, everyone connect with you and find out more about what you do in leadership coaching and all the um, ways to help empower others and ourselves? Sure. So you can always go to my website, which is chelseacoachesu.com. And there's some different tabs up there. There's some for individuals, for couples, and for corporate. So what, wherever you want to incorporate some of these areas into your life, we can. Uh, and also, I wanted to mention that uh, if anyone signs up for a, wants to sign up for a service, I'll give you a 15% off code, which would be younger self, um, one word, all lowercase. And that would give you 15% off any service that you're interested in. 
So some of those services include things like the um, personality assessments we talked about. So like the Clifton Strengths and the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. I also do continual coaching check-ins or uh, consult check-ins with individual clients and with companies. And I do one-time leadership workshops. Uh, So that would help you with any of that. Uh, You can also reach out to me. There's a contact form on my website, but my email is the same as my website. So Chelsea coaches you this time at gmail.com. And then I also do 15 minute complimentary coaching calls to see if our goals align to see if I could help you accomplish your goals. Um, Again, whether you're individual or corporate and all that can be found on the website. Amazing. Thank you so much for offering that for our listeners. We'll be sure to, again, include that in the show notes as well so they can receive that special offer from you. And thank you so much, Chelsea, for sharing your expertise in this area and this space with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of P.S. Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.